Happy to be here tonight. Are you ready for you ready for some soft pretzels? Should be more excited about soft pretzels than that. I am pumped, but I do want to say a couple other quick things before we get into the message. I'm going to talk for the next few minutes and uh, as our custom is, but you know, Tyler and Talyn were talking about really who we are and who we aspire to be, and I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you, um, some of you have been here before, many of you are brand new, you've never been, maybe it's been a year or two, maybe uh, you're familiar with this kind of environment or not, but I do want to say this, and I hope you hear me, is uh, if you were to go into someone else's house and they asked you to take your shoes off, you probably wouldn't worry about it too much because you understand that when you go into certain people's houses, they have certain rules because that's how they like their house. It's not them saying that their house is better than your house. It's just them saying they, they don't mind you taking your shoes off or they want their carpet clean. So it doesn't really matter, but in this house... We have a few rules or standards, ways that we do things because we like it that way, and it helps us to create the environment that we want to. And so I want to encourage you tonight, for the next few minutes, I'm going to talk, I'm going to preach out of the Bible, and we believe that the Bible is God's word. We believe that Jesus, like we've been saying, he can actually change your life. But we don't just believe that he can change your life, we believe that he's worthy of honor We believe that he's worthy of us praising and worshiping. We believe that he deserves it. And so when we sit in an environment like this, it's God's house. And so we want to honor God. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to ask out of respect, not for me, but out of respect and honor for God, that if you don't want to listen to the message, you don't have to. You can sit there with your head down or whatever you need to do. But I'm going to ask that you don't distract your neighbor. I'm going to ask that you don't poke them. I'm going to ask that you don't turn around and ask if you're going to Chick-fil-A afterwards because you probably already are. You know the answer. And so I'm going to ask that you maybe you put your phone away. If you want to take notes on your phone, by all means do that. But we want to create a healthy, safe, fun, uplifting, encouraging, great environment here, which I believe we have. And I want to keep it that way. And I want to go out afterwards and eat some soft pretzels. Can I get an amen? Amen. There we go. So, Romans. You can open your Bible to Romans. Romans is a book in the Bible that Paul wrote. This guy Paul is pretty famous. The reason we sit here in church today is because this guy Paul did what he did. He actually wrote half of what we know to be the New Testament in the Bible. And so many of the things that we read, many of the the traditions we have in the church in the East or the Western world in modern times or in ancient history is because of the patterns that Paul set up. So this guy is significant. What he writes about is significant and it carries weight. When you hear Michael Jordan talk about basketball, you listen a lot differently than than you do when you hear um, Myers Leonard talk. And the only person here who knows who Myers Leonard is is someone who probably was a Blazers fan and he was a first round pick, but no one ever cared about him. He's not very good. Does anyone know who Myers Leonard is? 
Exactly. You don't listen when he talks because you don't care who he is. But when you listen to Michael Jordan, you listen to Michael Jordan because Jordan can back up his words. And Paul is a significant, important figure. He can back up the words that he says. So when you hear these words that I'm about to read, listen to it as if it's coming from someone whose words carry weight. Got all quiet in here. How are we doing tonight? Are we doing good? Love it. Who shall separate us? It says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we will face death all day long. We are considered as sheep ready to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're more than a conqueror. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him, which is Jesus, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers or height or depth or anything else in all creation, listen to this, that nothing will be able to separate us. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. I want to speak tonight for the next few minutes on this idea, nothing can separate. Nothing can separate. Um, As it is our custom, would you bow your heads with me and out of respect for Jesus, pray with me. God, we are in awe of who you are. We're thankful for who you are what you've done for us, and what you're doing in our lives. We're here to recognize you. We're here to give you the first place. We are here to honor you and be thankful for what you're doing, but not only that, what you still have yet to do. We believe, God, that no matter who's in here and where they're coming from, that the best is still ahead for them. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. You, uh, you ever had someone in your life who's desperately for a long period of time tried to convince you uh, of something. Maybe it was something that was bad about you, but you were the only person who refused to believe it. I, uh, for the longest time, if you didn't know me a long time ago, um, I wasn't always this cool. That was supposed to be funny. Okay, whatever. Uh, I... I, I had the same hair for a really long time. And to this day, I don't, like, I don't know how anybody who called me their friend allowed me to exist around them the way that I did. I have some pictures I want to show you. Like, uh, up there, these two on the right, they just look like I just put glue in my hair and then just pushed it down and out of the way of my face. And, you know, every day, like, I put so much in there because the moment that I would get even remotely warm or sweaty, my, my cowlick in my hair would start to shift. And just out of 
sheer torture would just poke at me all day. I hated it. And I had my hair the same way. It was all pasty and gross. For some reason, Noel still married me. That's me. That was me on my, uh, my high school graduation um, party. And uh, still, I still have that shirt. It's a good shirt. It's a local band. They were legit acceptance. Nobody knows who they are. And uh, this one's the worst. This one was, Noel, where was that one? Pumpkin Patch, were we married? We were dating? Like, how, the, just my hair was just, it's just, it was gross. It was gross. Yeah, they, my hair there, I mean, this was just, it was bad. It was bad, bad news. But I remember this one particular day, you know, for, for a couple of years, Noel was saying, Taylor, you should, when you get your hair cut next, tell them to do something different. And I, and I would always say, no, I, I have a cowlick so they can't. The, if they did, my, my hair would just stick out like alfalfa only in the front of my forehead. And I just don't want to do that. And every time she'd say, Taylor, you got to do something. Because what I would do is I'd come home and I would complain about my hair. I, you, you, I, I wanted to show you my engagement pictures. Noelle still says that they are cute, but my hair was so bad. It was long. It went, like, down my neck. But it wasn't the good long, you know, like the guy, like Gabe the Babe, who's just got the cool, suave hair, and it's like, oh, Gabe's hair, that kind of thing. My hair was like, oh, Taylor, you need a haircut, bro. And so it, it, I, I just, I refused for, for years to, get, to change my hair. I'd get the same haircut every time, and it would look good for about two days, and then it was too long again. And so I remember this one particular day about seven or eight years ago, and Noel uh, schemes with my brother Cameron, and they said, we're going to take him to this new salon, and we are going to force him to get a new haircut. And so they literally, we drove together. We go to this, this salon in Bellevue uh, where there's this guy that we know, and um, she goes up to him, and I, I'm sitting on the chair, and they, they pull him aside, and they're like, hey, it doesn't matter what he tells you. We'll pay you extra if we have to. Whatever he says, you're not going to listen to him. You need to cut his hair this way. He's like, I'm game for that. He needs it bad. He needs a haircut bad. And so they, they literally pull him aside, tell him, you cannot listen to Taylor. So I'm in there, and I get my hair cut. And I'm nervous about it. I'm trying to fight it. And he's like, no, trust me, bro. And I'm like, the whole day, I'm just smashing my hair down. I'm like, you guys cut it, made him, made him cut it too short and, and all of this kind of stuff. I'm so angry about it. But then the next day, I woke up, took a shower, dry my hair off, and I start to do it. And I realize, what was I thinking for the last 10 years of my life? <laughs> you ever done that? Where you kind of realize, oh, they were right. And I remember, I remember being so thankful after that moment that Noel and Cameron had convinced me, all that really forced me and coerced me into this moment of saying, we need, Taylor, for our sanity, for our sake, for our own image, we need you to change your hair. Like, my hair was bad enough to where when I was in certain settings, people would probably avoid me because they didn't want to be seen with the person with the bad hair. That's how I felt about it. But it was interesting as I think about that, and I parallel it with what the Apostle Paul here is saying. I, I think about it, and 
over the last eight years of having my hair a little bit different, granted, I haven't changed it much, much since then. Maybe they need to take me back to that guy and I get a new haircut. But I remember thinking about that, that what has convinced me that it was the right move was not their convincing me and taking me to the salon that day. What has convinced me is the last eight years of not having bad hair. What has convinced me that that was the right move has been that I've seen it at work over the last eight years. I want to tell you something tonight that you've probably heard before, especially if you've been around church, but sometimes we let it go in here and one out, out the other. Maybe you haven't been around church and maybe you haven't heard this often or it's been a while or you've, you've heard it but you've never known it or felt it. I want to tell you something that I've been convinced of is that God loves you. That's all I have to say is that I need you to know tonight that God loves you. But here's the thing. I'm not just saying it. I've been convinced of it. I can say with complete certainty tonight as I stand here before you that the reason that I know that God loves you is because I know that God loves me. And what has convinced me was not my youth pastor 15 years ago telling me. What has convinced me is not when I sit in church and someone tells me that God loves me. What has convinced me is not what, you know, me just simply reading something. What has convinced me is over the scope of my life, seeing how many times I tried to run from God's love and his, run, his love chased me down. What has convinced me over my life is how many times I've failed and gone backwards and messed up and given up and said one thing and did another and had bad motives and messed up and failed and did people wrong and abandoned people and talked about people and all of these things that I've done over the course of my life and even into my recent years that time and time again when I try and effectively run from God's love, his love like glue never leaves me. So when I stand up here to tell you this tonight, I'm not standing here as someone who has arrived. I'm not standing here as someone who is paid to tell you this, and if I wasn't, I would take it back. I'm standing here as someone who is convinced that the love of God has never stopped and will never stop chasing me down. And if he's going to chase me down, I want to tell you that the love of God, whether you like it or not, it is stuck with you. He's never going to stop chasing you down. Is anybody thankful for the love of God tonight? I'm thankful for it. See, in all my t attempts to separate God's love from me, God's love is still here. So we read this letter from this guy, Paul, we've already talked about. And Paul, like I said, he started churches and movements, and we're really standing here today because of the work that he did. But if you didn't know this, Paul had a history. Paul was this guy who, before he met Jesus, he had a history of actually, he was a pretty bad guy. If you didn't know this, Paul hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He hated what it represented, and he saw it as his life mission to kill Christians. Paul was actually the, the, the facilitator of murders of Christians. That he found Christians, 
And because they were believers and even prominent Christians, Paul was the one who was saying, now is the time to stone this guy, to take him out because he's a believer in Jesus. And we don't like that. So Paul is not your average like, yeah, I used to be mean and then God met me and I stopped making fun of people. No, no, no. Paul was actually a really bad dude. He was a zealot, but he was zealous against Jesus. And Paul had a history. He was a broken person and he was messed up. And Paul, though, he's doing all of this and he's on his way to continue in the way that he's gone. And he's on this road to a city called Damascus. And on the road, he meets, has this encounter. And God shows up in this crazy way, literally blinding Paul. And he says, Saul, his name was Saul at the time. His name's Saul, and he says, Saul, why, why are you doing this to me? Why are you persecuting me? And he has this crazy moment. And what happens is Paul turns around and he goes back. And I'm, I'm actually convinced that tonight that some of you are on a road going the wrong direction, but God is interrupting you right now. God is actually invading your space, invading your trajectory, and the journey that you're on, God is stopping you in your tracks turning you around and changing your future. Now, Paul had a choice, and you have a choice too. Paul had a choice in that moment to either turn around or just saying, whoa, 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 I don't care who you are. I'm going to keep doing my thing. But something happened to Paul. He encountered the love of God, and everything changed. And I want to tell you tonight, whether you are new to church or you've been around the block but you've been running from God, all it takes is you saying, yes, God, I'm going to respond to you and I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the same place, but I'm going to go a new person because the love of God has changed my life. And Paul, when he says, I've been convinced, says, I'm convinced that nothing, no height, no depth, nor depth, no angels, demons, nothing on earth or below the earth can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. This reminds me of when I was pursuing Noel. And uh, she and I have been married. We have our third kid on the way. We've been married for over 11 years. And uh, we've, we've been together in some way, uh, including engagement and dating, for almost 15 years. A long time, which is just bizarre to think about. And, uh, but it wasn't always that way. It was not always that way. She liked me. I said, sorry, I'm too cool. Realized it two weeks later, just kidding. Um, I, 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 um, we dated for a little short stint. I was an idiot. We broke up. And for the next two and a half years, I was like nonstop. We went to Bible college, the same place. There were so many, there were countless days where I'm literally, I would slow walk by her dorm, big old building, just hoping that she would come out at the same time. And then as I would hear the door, I would start walking Oh, hey, I didn't know you lived in there. You know what I mean? Like, I was, I, 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 could, I was hung up on her. I mean, even when we weren't dating, I don't advise you to do this, but when we weren't dating, she was the background on my computer. It, let me, let me, let me give you a little bit of context. I had like 10 pictures rotating as backgrounds. She was like seven of them, okay? So, but 
It's so funny because for whatever reason, I could not give up on her. There was something in me that just said, don't give up. Even when there were times where I prayed, God, I want to give up on this because it's too hard. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't let go. There were people who opposed it. I said, sorry, I still, even my best friend, and he's my best friend to this day, I remember sitting in his truck, he's like, bro, she's not the one for you. And he lists all these reasons. And I remember kind of nodding, but I left, I was like, he's wrong. And I just couldn't, I couldn't let it go. There was something about her and about us that I could not let go. So eventually she caved. She said, he's not giving up on me. I might as well quit so that he doesn't stalk me into the rest of my life. But the truth is, there was something that I was not willing to let go of. And I want to tell you that God is not willing to let go of you. God is not willing to let go of you. God will not quit. He will not stop chasing you. And some of you, you've been coming to church for a while. And you have not responded to God And I'm not here to beat you down. I'm here to encourage you. God's not going to stop pursuing you. God's not going to stop knocking at your door. God is not going to stop reaching out to you. He's not going to stop calling out your name. He's not going to quit. He's not going to give up. He will chase you down. And when you try and avoid him in the dorm room of your life, he's going to walk slow and pretend that he didn't even know you were coming. Why? Because Jesus loves you. I know you've heard it before. You've seen it on billboards. You've read it. You know it. But it's the most profound, life-changing thing that you could ever know. It's that Jesus, he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to change your life from the inside out. He doesn't want to just get you to heaven. He wants to change your life here today. I actually believe that when you let Jesus in, he can change everything from the inside of you all the way to the outside of you. But here's the thing, you got to let him. Noel had a choice to let me to say, yes, Taylor, I give up. I'm not going to get rid of you, so I might as well say yes. And some of you, I, I just want to encourage you, it's time. It's time to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. I'm going to give you three quick thoughts. You can write them down, write write one after another. Number one is God's never going to stop interrupting your journey. Number two, when God interrupts you, respond. When God interrupts you, respond. And number three, when you have God, you can get through anything. I, um, I... my, my parents are here actually tonight. They're the pastors of this church, and I want to honor them. But um, uh, I, don't, I wasn't around when my dad was in high school um, because, well, you can do the math. But uh, when, so I, I might butcher the story a little bit, but my, my parents didn't grow up in an environment like this. Um, and anything they knew about God was through a lens of religion. It wasn't their narrative. I grew up in church. My dad was a youth pastor my parents raised us in church. Uh, we grew up on Christian TV and Christian music and worship. And, and I grew up in youth group. I loved it. I loved God, always have. And uh, not without my share of issues and whatnot, but 
I'm thankful for my upbringing. They didn't have that. And I remember a story hearing my dad saying that when he was in high school, there was a girl. She's one of those Jesus people. She wrote in his yearbook something to the effect of, Steve, God's going to do something in your life. You're going to change the world. Little did he know that that was just a seed planted. Because in that moment, he said, whatever, closed his yearbook. But something dropped into his heart that day. And it was years later when he's working in the shipyard that a guy named Bob, Bob, just Bob Smith, the most generic name you can have. It's his real name. And Bob Smith, through a process of getting to know my dad and reaching out to him and telling him that Jesus loved him and inviting him to church, my dad, followed by a week or two later, my mom, they gave their hearts to Jesus. And in that church, I was raised. And I'm standing here today because someone wrote in a yearbook. And I, I just want to remind us that God doesn't ever stop trying to interrupt your journey. In that moment, when that girl wrote in the yearbook, that was God just, hey, Steve, Steve, Steve. Steve, they have taken him a bit, but eventually God stopped him in his tracks and changed everything. Some of you, God's been calling your name, Justin, Aaron, Susie, God's been calling your name, and he's, he's saying, I'm never going to stop calling it. It's kind of like Hayden when she says, when she wants to get my attention, daddy, 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 daddy. She's not going to stop until I say, yes, Hayden. Guess what? God's not going to stop. You could be 70 years old and never respond. And guess what? God's going to be knocking at your door saying, let me in. If you let me in, I can change your life. If you let me in, I can change everything. If you let me in, I'll turn everything around. I'm not done pursuing you. I'm not done coming after you. I'm not done looking for you. I'm not done calling you. I still have a future. The best is yet to come for you. Come on, is anyone in here who believes that Jesus and is thankful that Jesus is pursuing us and coming after us? God's not going to stop trying to interrupt your journey. And for some of you, tonight is that night where you respond. I invite you in this moment to bow your heads and close your eyes.